Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Thirty-five years ago today. Appetite for Destruction, easy for me to say, Appetite for Destruction was released. You know, I I think that next to Guns N' Roses, the only other sort of act that I know that Jack Michaels loves as much as Guns N' Roses is probably Billy Joel. We head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. And welcome back to the show. NHL Hockey on Rogers and Oilers Radio Network play-by-play broadcaster Jack Michaels. Hello, Jack. How are you doing? Well, I see you haven't lost your sense of humor. So you just hate Billy Joel. Is that the deal? Yeah, um, there's a there's a few bands that seemingly everyone loves that I do not like at all. And uh, Billy Joel would be on that list. Uh, the Police would be on that See, list. Yeah, and I like The Police. You know that. Yeah, and uh, maybe most famously among my friends, Red Hot Chili Peppers would be on that list. I cannot stand them. All right. Uh, anybody in Canada that you're not a big fan of? Uh, actually, I mean, I, it's funny when I moved here, I, I found out a few bands were Canadian that I didn't realize, um, you know, lover boy. I mean, I didn't even know Brian Adams was Canadian to be honest with you. I realized that's sacrilege now yes. and that I've lived here 12 years. I, I certainly would never make that mistake, but, uh, yeah, there's a handful of guys, well, uh, you know, I, uh, lover boy. I mean, I, I, uh, I think there's a lot of good Canadian bands. I, now I did, I was probably one of the few uh and and it's it's a band that i found over the years appeals to just a a select few but rush i I was always a big fan of rush you know back before i knew they were canadian uh we've opened up with a lot of rush jack on this show over the last 11 seasons i'm gonna tell you right now we've not opened up with a lot of nickelback Nickelback seems to be the Canadian band. Polarizing. That, yeah. Polarizing, yeah, for bet. sure. It, you either love them or hate them. And I know Louis DeBrusque and I argue about Nickelback all the time. He's infuriated that I don't like him. And he doesn't like the fact they get a lot of grief from uh, Alberta folks. He's, you know, very, very kind of loyal to them. Uh, yeah, Nickelback is Nickelback is a polarizing band that I don't necessarily care for, and and again, dare I say it? I mean, I as much as I love Rush, and I I, I think this other band is just as identified, if not more so, uh, with Canada. I would I would be pro Rush. I'm not uh, now, now. I don't dislike them. Let me make clear: like they would not be in a in a Red Hot Chili Peppers category. But I, you know, in terms of Canadian bands that are probably the two most famous, I certainly think Rush head and shoulders better than Tragically Hip. 
See, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, yeah, you would never, you would never go with that. Yeah, you, would you, be, you know yeah. what? We can, we can end this interview right now on that. There he goes. So <laughs> you finally you did yeah. it. You finally cheesed me off, Jack. So there you go. All yeah, right. No, I know you're a hip guy. All right. So let's switch focus here. Um, it's crazy what's happening down in Calgary. We had a, a question I, I, I asked the listeners on the Ashley Five Floors text line. Would you rather have four years of Evander Kane at 5.125? Because you have to factor in the money. Or Matthew Kachuk at, you know, $9 million. And, and we all know Kachuk's going to have a longer career from this point forward. You know, he's going to play longer than Kane. But it's pretty tough to argue. Jack, I mean, it's I know you like both players. But Kane was a wonderful addition for the Oilers. Think about where we were at. Game two in Calgary, down 3-1 the Oilers. And Edmonton Storms back wins four straight. And now the Calgary Flames are on the precipice of being the first team in NHL history to have two players with 100 or more points that both aren't on the team the next season. It's, well, it's, it's you know, unbelievable. It, it's... It is, uh, you know, uh, to some degree, but there... You know, there have been, and and we certainly were privy to, you know, some rumors that, that not all was great in uh, in Calgary's locker room, even as they were winning the Pacific Division this year. I mean, they had a very nice regular season, and I kind of stressed that because their coach stressed it. And I stressed that because, you know, I'm not sure the players love that, that, that their coach was so eager to point out what a great regular season they had. Uh, and, and yet, you know, again, whatever you might think of Daryl Sutter, he's not wrong. I mean, they, they weren't great uh, and survived a first round series uh, with Dallas. And, and then, you know, after game one, which was kind of a, a write-off for both clubs, I, I certainly don't think Calgary played well. Uh, Edmonton was just worse. Uh, they they went over and and offered some resistance, but not a ton. Uh, particularly when Edmonton was able to survive the you know 160 foot goal and and uh, you know win on home ice and eventually close the series out in five games. Uh, that's you know a, a disappointing playoff result for them, uh, but it also you know kind of reinforced things that you and I had heard during the season that not all was well despite the win-loss record. Do you think the decisions of Goodrow and Kachuk are mutually exclusive? Probably. Uh, I don't I don't know that. I don't presume to, you know, subscribe to all the rumors that you and I have heard about the fact that they weren't necessarily the closest of friends. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance that obviously, like most players in the National Hockey League, they've got to take care care of their career first and go where they want to be first and foremost. And, you know, the fact that they both elected to leave Calgary, I, I don't necessarily think, or, or, you know, they both, obviously Gaudreau's already signed. Kachuk has indicated he does not play in the sign long-term. I, I think that that doesn't really, for me, as much as like Edmontonians might want me to pile on, I don't think it's an indictment of Calgary, the city. I don't necessarily think it's related to the fact that they don't have a new building yet. I, I, I think it's related to the general team atmosphere because you usually would not see 
two highly successful players, as you point out, on a highly successful team that certainly is not long in the tooth, Bob. This is in an aging team where you could see Calgary, you know, fall off the map next year due to the fact that some of their players are long in the tooth. For them to leave, that is more an indictment of the you know, whole situation. I, I don't, I don't blame the city. I don't necessarily, uh, you know, blame the building or any of those external factors. Something is, is, is a miss there for those two guys to want to leave. And I, and also I, I may let, let me make clear. Cause I know people are like, Oh, they just don't want to play. You know, they're American guys who don't want to play in Canada. I'm not sure I buy that either, Bob. I really don't. Uh, there's Americans that are that are quite happy playing in, in Canada and, and thriving in Canada. I, I'm not sure that has much to do with it. Well, and, and you know, we just had George on talking about Doug White, and Bill Guerin was upset when he got traded out of Edmonton. And you know how engaging Bill has been through his career trajectory with us. Uh, Jack in, in Pittsburgh and, and in Minnesota. He's he's got a lot of time for Edmonton and and Doug, Doug Wade enjoyed his best years here. Yes. and remains one of the most popular Edmonton Oilers of all time. I think you'd concur with that. Yep, and jeez, uh, may have ended up getting a job with Mike Greer that I thought somebody else was going to get uh, uh, in the last uh, week and a half. All right, Jack. So. The Oilers are sitting in a situation. You've had a week to decompress since free agency. Uh, We'll get to the RFA scenario momentarily, but uh, is this a better team than the one that finished the playoffs in its current configuration? I certainly certainly think it looks like that. I don't think any of the deals were ones where you're thinking, wow, that could be a bad contract right off the hop. Uh, We all have, have seen those contracts you know, over the course of of the years in, in various markets, including Edmonton. I mean, I, I remember you and I wondering, like, like, you know, four years, what was it, four years, 16 million bucks for, for Mark Fain, who was kind of a 6'7". We were a little concerned with that one. I mean, you know, these are all reasonably length deals, yeah. reasonably priced deals. And quite frankly, I think the Edmonton market – uh, was right to say, you know, a fourth year of Smith, Koskinen, you know, I, I don't know whether that would have, you know, moved the needle. Uh, there is some unknown with Jack Campbell, 100%. But you're also talking about, you know, instead of 73 years worth of goaltender, I think you've got something like, you know, 49 or 50. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I don't have that number for you, but uh, it's a different tandem. It's a tandem that has, you know, a lot to prove for, for certain, but it's also a tandem where, you know, you have to think the best years are ahead of them rather than behind them. And I don't mean any disrespect toward Mike Smith. I, I think obviously, you know, he took the Oilers to the conference final, but to suggest his best years were ahead of him, I think you could say, well, that might be a stretch, Jack, you know, and, and I don't, and, and same with Miko Koskinen, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether he's going to get much better. Uh, Campbell is, is a guy who, you know, in a, 
in a short sample size, looks like he's on the upswing. Uh, he's entering an age where sometimes goalies thrive in their late 20s and early 30s. Uh, probably the most famous example of that, at least recently, would be Tim Thomas. You know, I'm not suggesting he's going to be Tim Thomas, but it's not a deal completely out of bounds. It was a competitive market, and Jack Campbell, I believe, in the last two seasons, 80% of the time, he's gotten two points for his team, and only 20% of the time, has he got no points for his team? I believe his record is 48 and 12 the last two regular seasons. That's solid. Uh, you could say he didn't get Toronto out of the first round. Well, neither did Freddie Anderson. At some point, Edmonton needed younger goaltending. They've got it, and it remains to be seen whether it turns out to be better goaltending. Jack Michaels joining us from the Oilers Radio Network of NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott, Brendan Escott with you. Jack, uh, the contract I remember was the four-year deal for uh, Andrew Ference. Only, like, you know... If Edmonton could have gotten Ference at 28 instead of like 32, game changer, right? But just the amount of miles he'd already put in at that size, I was like, geez, that's going to be difficult for him to complete the contract. And his well, unit- he at least was an everyday player and a top four D man. I mean, Mark Fain, when they brought him in, uh, Bob, it was it was known around the league. You know, he was a he five really number five defense. Jersey. Yeah, he was a number five defenseman in Jersey. I think Ference was at that point a number five man in Boston. He played two years in Edmonton and then just, you know, more of attrition of the body. Jack, uh, all right, so, you know, you, you end up in a situation where you get Kulak done, you get Kane done. Um, the order's a small deal to bring in Yanmark. Um, and I want to circle now to the restricted free agents. Um, Paul Yarvey's coming up fairly quickly here in terms of the arbitration process on the 29th of July, whereas they got more time with Yamamoto on the 7th. Um, this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out with these two guys, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, they had they had different years. Uh, you know, the closing push that Pugliarvi might have had never materialized, I think, to some degree, because he wasn't fully healthy. I'm not, I'm not defending his lack of production down the stretch, but I also don't think he was – you know, near 100%, and I think it's possible he was he was eager to get back on the in the lineup as the team was really on an upswing there in February and March. Uh, Yamamoto, you know, for a while was kind of in a group of players, as you'll recall, Bob, mid-season that you were like, ultimately they need a little more from this guy. You know, they that he was producing but not necessarily producing it at the rate you'd think considering the players he was playing playing with and that that could be again that was that was being said of Puliarvi at one point and and for a while there even it was it was being said of Zach Hyman Hyman and Yamamoto closed very strong Puliarvi did not uh how much of that was attributed to you know some injury problems you know I'm not sure because I don't quite know the extent of the injury. Uh, but it absolutely creates, you know, an interesting uh, prognosis, you know, for next season in terms of, you know, can Yesopuliarvi, uh do what he did for the first 20 games or so uh, for a full 80-game schedule? And can Kyler Yamamoto 
take the next step and, and build on 2040 and maybe, you know, get going a little quicker and, and maybe become a 25, 25, 50 player like Zach Hyman has proven to be the last couple of seasons. Those are some of the intriguing questions that I think both sides, you know, will be arguing and lobbying for as this process continues. Final one for you, total curveball. How much do you love the Super 70 Sports Twitter account? <laughs> you know, that's been a favorite of mine for a long time. Uh, I, I, You know, I'm a bit of a 70s guy. I know you grew up in the 70s. I grew up in the 80s. But I've got a lot of time for uh, the music of the 70s. I don't mind occasionally a, a little ABBA and Bee Gees creeping into my prison. Okay, okay wait a sec. You don't like Billy Joel, but you like the Bee Gees and ABBA? <laughs> hey, I'm a man of contradictions. You know this, yes, Bob. We've worked together long enough. Not much of what I say or do makes a great deal of sense. You've just got to take me for who I am. Awesome stuff. Jack, thanks for joining us, my man. Cheers. Cheers. That is Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network. We'll wrap up Oilers now after this. We are going to go to a text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, uh, this comes to us from Haji. It would be interesting to query how many of the fans choosing Kane now would have passed on him even at half the cost prior to his half season with the Oilers. There was a large percentage uh, worried about Kane's purported behavior, which did not support Ken Holland's decision to sign him. I was one of them, says Haji. I was one of them, and I could say I would now choose Evander Kane over Kachuk even at equal dollar figures as Kane has garnered the trust and the support of the Oilers dressing room. Nothing more to say. That one comes to us from Haji. We uh, head into this day in Oilers history. Cowboy Bill Flett, who passed away a number of years ago, uh, was born in the state back in 1943 in Vermilion. Uh, he played for the Oilers in, for four seasons from 76 through the Oilers' first year in the NHL, 79-80. He had a 40-goal season with the Philadelphia Flyers, and I think it was, I think it was 72. 374. He had a, I think he had 43 goals. Uh, I knew uh, Cowboy Flett's son, Dean Flett. Tonight on Inside Sports, Dave Campbell from 6 to 8 p.m. Tomorrow, jam-packed edition of Oilers Now. Guests will include the new assistant coach of the Winnipeg Jets, former Edmonton Oil Kings head coach Derek Laxtall, Alberta Golden Bears head coach, former Oilers assistant coach Ian Herbers. For the horses and horse racing in Alberta, the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry with live racing on Fridays and Saturdays at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino, where uh, parking and uh, entry is free. Uh, Mark Spector will join us, and I promised you uh, one of uh, the uh, Oilers radio play-by-play voices on back-to-back days. We just heard from Jack Michaels. Cam Moon will be on tomorrow's show as well. Today is my 21st wedding anniversary. Kathleen, you truly are a glutton for uh, punishment. I was going to run the Flintstones version of Happy Anniversary, but uh, this song was uh, used the night we got married and somehow seems incredibly apropos given everything that's gone on. So long, everybody. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breakenders from 2 to 3, and then the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with uh, Jalen and I. Some would say we're lost together on this show on a daily basis. Back at you tomorrow. 
Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.